When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. San Francisco now up 1-0 on the Blue Jays. Jays batting in the bottom of the fifth uh, NHL draft round one tomorrow. Rounds two through seven on Thursday. Free agency opens on Saturday. We'll have a free agency special on 6.30, Chad, from 10 to noon on Saturday. Bob Stoffer, I'll be there. Mooner along for the ride as well. So we'll see if the Oilers make a splash out of the gate. And, of course, on Friday, it is the Elks at the Red Blacks. Four o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad and the game will start at 5.30. And one guy you're going to see playing for the green and gold is receiver Stephen Dunbar, Jr. Stephen, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for making time for the show. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's dive right in. I, I, I know, obviously, you guys didn't get the win on, on Sunday, and that's what it's all about. Having said that, you had a nice game, eight receptions, 98 yards. Uh, what do you feel was clicking for you in that game against the Argos? Uh, I think we came out came out pretty good. I just want myself personally just wanted to make sure I made all the plays that came to me and try to do a better job leading the team. Um, I know the load was going to kind of increase for me this week, and um, I just want to be consistent for my team and stuff like that. So that's pretty much it. All right. Look, you, you knew you were coming to an Elks team that's uh, that's trying to bounce back from a couple of tough years, uh, yet to get a win this year. And hey, some frustrations uh, along the way. Uh, but but how is uh, how is the mood and the morale around the team? If if you don't mind, kind of sharing uh, the the chatter inside the locker room and how everybody's doing. I mean, uh, it seems like we, we're doing a pretty job, good job of sticking together right now. Obviously, we still feeling the sting of just, you know, those losses. Um, it's, it's a solid taste and I'm out right now. But, I mean, all you can do is just kind of get back to work and try to try to create a different result for, for, for the team. So, um, for the most part, we seem like we're sticking together, man, and, and, and we're staying positive. Yeah. Okay. And, and we, Chris Jones did not name a quarterback uh, for the game on Friday, but I know Jared Dagey took a lot of the reps. Uh, just from your view as a receiver, you know, what's it like to see a quarterback get pulled uh, during the game? You must, you must feel for a guy that you work with closely all week in practice. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation, definitely. Like you put yourself in that guy's shoes, uh, but I mean, it's a. You know, kind of, we sign up for pro football. You, you know, you see a lot of things, and a lot of things that happen. It's not really personal. It's not, you know, an emotional thing. It's just, you know, part of the business, and you kind of, you know, what you signed up for. Uh, so you just kind of try to support whoever's in there, and you know, just kind of focus on what you can control and, and do your job. And you know, you just kind of got to roll with the punches a little bit. What ha- I mean, if it is Daggy or, or even if it isn't, I guess I still want to ask you. But what what have you seen by about uh, uh, from Jared Daggy that that makes you think, hey, this guy might uh, might be able to play here for a while? 
Oh, he got a lot of confidence, man. He came, he came in the huddle. He didn't, he didn't flinch at all. Um, he knew, he knew, he knew his job. He knew what he, what he had to do. Um, he knew where his guys were supposed to be. And it's always good to see as a receiver when, you, when your quarterback knows what route you have. I um, mean, just telling you in the huddle, you know, be ready for this and this and that. So that that was the thing that impressed me most was his confidence and his preparation. Yeah, what do you think of that? Play? I know ultimately uh, it, it didn't give you guys. But what do you, what do you think of that play? The, the last play, that long pass and the tip to Forbes Montblow for the – like, when you're watching that, are you thinking, like, what is going on? What a crazy play. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that was crazy. But, I mean, when you when – you, like I said, when you're prepared and, and you're giving your guys a chance, you know, sometimes, you know, things fall your way. You know, I think that was just a typical example of things falling his way. And, um, you know, like I said, if, if he continues to be confident and stay prepared like that, you know, I'm, I'm sure more plays like that will happen for him. Yeah, right on. Stephen Dunbar Jr. joining us tonight on Inside Sports Receiver for the Edmonton Elks. 98 yards receiving against the Argos on Sunday. Stephen, I, I always love getting to know the, the, the athletes that, that we all watch. And for I, I've always found for American players who come to the CFL, everybody's got, uh, got a great story. So I, I hope you don't mind going down that lane with me uh, a little bit here. I'll st- I always kind of start with this question. Where did you grow up and, and who got you into football as a younger guy? Um, so I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, on the west bank of it, um, a little city called Gretna. Um, I played at a, a playground called Oakdale Playground. Uh, basically, New Orleans is a big culture of football, man. It's almost like you're supposed to play. I mean, it was something that all my friends did, all the people that I was around did. So it was like, you know, it was something that I knew I was going to do when I turned six years old. Was going to the park and was going to play football. So, so six years old was this organized football, or was this a bunch of kids and maybe their dads or older brothers like running around and drawing up plays? <laughs> no, nah, it was it was it was organized football. A lot of our parents did coach the team, though. Um, but we had we had it was organized. We had uh, we had plays. We had a schedule. We had uniforms and. We had uh, we played against other parks around the area, and it was it was competitive, man. What position were you when you were little? Uh, I started off at quarterback, and then just started playing receiver from there. Okay, so you start. So it's it, you're like you're like you get a lot of young people playing hockey here in Canada, right? You start skating before you before you can walk. <laughs> you're probably handling a football when you're a little guy. Yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. We was walking around with big old shoulder pads and a helmet and big old football pants when we was little kids. Were you or were you or are you a Saints fan or what team or, or football player did you look up to? Yeah, I'm definitely a Saints fan, man. Oh, that nation heavy, heavy. Okay. Good stuff. And when did you start to realize, uh, you know, I don't know if it was a teen or even earlier or when you were in high school, where, did you, like, when did you start to think, like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I, I might have a future here, maybe as a pro or beyond college. Uh, I think when I was sophomore year in high school, when I got, like, my first collegiate offer, that's when I was like, okay, I actually can, you know, do something with this. Because I initially wanted to play basketball. And then, shit, football was kind of going in the right direction for me, so I just kind of locked in from there. And I was just, like, committed to the whole dream of, of making it to be a professional athlete. Okay, wait a minute. You're a good basketball player, too. 
<laughs> so, see, a lot of us are thinking here, like, can I be even mediocre at one sport? And you're excellent at two of them. So, okay. so good, good for you. <laughs> so, uh, you, I, I believe you went to Houston is where you went to, to university. Uh, what what kind of style did you play there? And and obviously, you know, your career kept growing when you were there. Yeah, yeah, we, um, yeah, I went to U of H. Uh, we played, uh, we played spread offense for a while. We always had. Uh, for receiver on the field pretty much at all times. My first two years, we didn't do uh, too much. My first year, that we didn't do too much huddling at all. And then we kind of incorporated more huddling uh, as the years went by. Okay, and then uh, I, I know you got some looks in, in the National Football League, and then, and then eventually you come to Hamilton. And this, there, there are often some great stories here, Stephen. Uh, well, how did the CFL get your attention? You know, how did how did it work out that you came to Canada? Uh, so basically, I got uh, released from um, from Denver, and um, my opportunities was getting kind of low at the time. The XFL league had just started coming up, and I tried that league out. Ended up getting injured, and then COVID happened and kind of crashed the league. And um, Hamilton had been talking to me ever since I got released from the 49ers, but I had never really paid attention to Canadian football. I didn't know much at all. Um, and then, you know, obviously opportunities kind of ran low. And um, I just was like, man, let me let me check it out. Um, so I told my agent to hit up the guy. I told him, you know, it's a guy named Rich. Um, I told him I hit up, you know, hit up Rich and tell him that we're interested or whatever. And we went ahead and signed. And from there, my receiver coach at the time, um, Jared Baines, um, he kind of like basically sent me over all the rules sent me over all Hamilton's offense and he sent me all over um, all 18 games from the previous season and I just kind of gave me a crash course on Canadian football like the rule changes the positions and I just had a lot of time during COVID and I just kind of learned the game from there and then I was watching as I was watching I was like man these guys can play like this is real ball like it's not you know this is a good ball and um, I kind of got excited about it from there and then you know obviously um, got a chance to come up in 2021 and Happen now. Okay, well, good for you. So you so you watched a lot on. T- had you been to Canada before you went to Hamilton for your first camp? No, I hadn't been. I hadn't been out the country before. Oh wow! I hadn't been out of America. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this opportunity made me get a passport. So you, so you didn't know about Tim Hortons then? <laughs> I didn't know anything about Tim Hortons. I know a lot about Tim Hortons now. Now everybody knows about, about Tim Hortons for sure. So what, what do your friends and family ask home back home? Ask you a lot of, about Canada, and if so, what what do you tell them? Uh, yeah, my family got a chance to come up here a couple of times, and they love they love Canada. Um, they'll be coming up here in a month or so to come to come to a game, and you know I like to. You know, let them experience. That's the funnest part about being up here is letting them experience a different country and a different way of living and just, you know, seeing something different. So they actually love it. And they look, you know, they look forward to coming up here. So, so do you have to tell them? Motivate everybody to get a passport. Yeah, everybody needs <laughs> a passport now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. but do you, do you yeah, have to tell people so. like it doesn't snow all the time? Like it's actually pretty nice in the summer? <laughs> Yeah, like that was the biggest shock for me. I was coming to Hamilton. I'm like, it's about to be cold. It's blue. And then I like, because my first camp, training camp was like 90 degrees outside. I'm like, dance for like I'm back in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But but you know it changes, especially here in Edmonton. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Late, late, late October. I'm already knowing what time it is. <laughs> You've learned what a toque is as well as Tim Hortons, right? <laughs> Okay. Right, right, right. All right. Well, great, great story, and you had a great game. And then just tell us, you know, you kind of settled in in Hamilton, and then uh, and then you changed teams. So tell us about that uh, experience of free agency in February that led you to the Elks. Uh, free agency was pretty smooth, man. I kind of just let myself uh, sit back and, you know, wait for the opportunities to come and trying to play my cards that I felt would be the best for my career. Um and I was pretty much open to any opportunity that came. And, you know, talking to Chris Johns and the staff over here, I just loved the excitement that they had about me and the opportunity that they would give me to, you know, take my career to the next level. And um, that played a big part in my career, man. And, um, you know, me, Gino, Tyron, and all the guys that came, um, we kind of, you know, we got close, you know, throughout the process. So that was cool. We still talk every day. We hang out. Um, well, we're building a bond that I think will be, you know, for the rest of life. What's your favorite thing about Edmonton so far? It's hmm. a good question, man. Um, my favorite thing about Edmonton. Um, I like the way I like the way you guys like show up for your for your sports teams, man. It's it's kind of motivating, definitely, to get this organization and this um, team, you know, turned around in the right direction. I think this city gets behind the sports teams and uh, you don't really see that a lot in a lot of cities in Canada you know so I think that's that's um, something I like the most about Edmonton. Well well said I'm sure people love to hear that okay well Stephen thanks for being so generous with your time thanks about talking about you know what the Elks are, are doing this week to get ready for Ottawa and thanks for sharing your story as well I always love hearing those you're welcome on the show anytime have a great game on Friday. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me, bro. That is Stephen Dunbar Jr. from your Edmonton Elks uh, checking in. So, you know, he said uh, he sounds pretty confident about uh, Jarrett Dagey, if Dagey is the starter on Friday, and it sounds like he's going to be. And uh, Dunbar telling you from New Orleans, started playing football as a six-year-old, goes to the University of Houston, gets a couple looks in the NFL, uh, the, you know, the XFL, COVID hits, and... Uh, Somebody says, what about Canada? And he's watching a lot of tape, and he's like, hey, that doesn't look too bad. So uh, up he comes a couple of years uh, with Hamilton, and now he is a member of your Edmonton Elks, Stephen Dunbar Jr., checking in tonight. Okay, I, I know uh, a few of you have wanted to check in at 780-496-0063. We'll get to those messages in a couple of minutes. <laughs> You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Gen. Well, that's me, everybody. How are you doing tonight? Oh, yeah. She had a drink in her hand. She had a toast. Kellen, my, my voice is a little off today, eh? I, th- I think I got, like, something very minor. I was a little <laughs> stuffed up earlier today. I was going to say. I sound like I'm straining a bit, and, yeah, I got a little crackly. I don't know. I guess you, I might have a little summer, uh, minor summer cold or something. You kind of have a Super Dave Osborne influence to your voice. <laughs> that was... Bob Einstein. I wonder how many people know who Super Dave Osborne is. Ah, oh, the best. Very, very funny. Very, very twisted. I remember Super Dave... Uh, you're not old enough to remember this. He was on a show called Bizarre. Yeah, it was just called. Was a little bit older than uh, me. I remember J- the Super Dave John Osborne. Biner, I believe, was the guy behind it. And Super Dave was a character... Uh, on that show, mm-hmm. which was kind of a 
I mean, it was on regular television, quote-unquote, but it was a bit of a naughty show, and it was bizarre. Some of their sketches were very off the wall, but Super Dave was on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Super Dave passed away, did he not? He did, unfortunately. What was his real name again? Yeah, I know you Bob just... Einstein. Right. Uh, yeah, he passed away. John Biner's still with us, by the way. Oh, wow. He's, uh, oh, my goodness. He turns 86 tomorrow. Oh, hey. There we go. Isn't that interesting? Um, yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, somehow this, yeah, my voice and Super Dave. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry I sound go. a little off today. I know it's probably, but, well, you pre- most people are probably always annoyed listening to the show, but this likely makes it uh, more annoying. Super Dave Osborne, yeah, they did some weird, they did some weird stuff with him. And uh, I, there's one sketch that comes, I can't say the punchline because it's kind of, mm. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy some Super Dave Osborne on YouTube after the show. Yes, absolutely. It's always <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, I'll be the Fuji Hakuito to your Super Dave Osborne. How's that? Uh, Super Dave. I'm just looking at his. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page now. It was often specified that Osborne's safety harnesses or seat belts were made of genuine Saskatchewan seal skin bindings. Ah, the mark of quality, Reed Wilkins. And, and then, of course, on Wikipedia, it clarifies that seals are not indigenous <laughs> to the landlocked province of Saskatchewan, and therefore part of the comic, the comedic juxtaposition predicated on the eventual failure of the stunt by being both genuine seal skin and from Saskatchewan. Oh, I love how somebody edited. Wikipedia to explain the humor in a somewhat humorous way. That's okay, great. I love so uh, there we go, Super Dave, and at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. What do we have, Kellen, from, oh, our, from got, our super audience? Yeah, we do. It's, it's always a super audience for Inside Sports for sure. We've got Oilers text and Elks text, so I'm going to run off of Oilers text for sure, whatever you want. And then uh, get to some Elks text right after. But uh, for the Oilers, we'll open with the retired banker in Vermilion. He says, my old money and my cream says Raphael Lavoie will make the team next fall. Size matters. He is a gritty Frenchman who likes the front neck uh, uh, sorry, front net action. Yamo not built for playoff hockey. Lavoie is. Yeah, well, that could be. Uh, and Lavoie might even be a third liner, right? I don't know if they're going to need him to slide into the top six, especially if they sign Connor Brown, which is expected. Maybe a move for for somebody else. But uh, yeah, the the way Holland spoke today, and we played that clip, it sounds like he's. Uh, has a fair deal of optimism that Lavoie will be able to make the team. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was from the retired, the, what is it, the tired banker, the retired the banker? The retired banker in Vermilion. Vermilion, great community. Yes. Home of uh, Olympic medalist Becky Scott, yes. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Junior B Tigers. That's uh, right, I covered the Junior B Tigers quite a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I showed up at their games quite a bit. I had family that lived in Vermilion, so that's why. So, oh, nice. uh, but there we go. Uh, Cowtown Bob texts in and says, "Hi, Reed. Can you see the Oilers doing a trade this week? Would a second-round picks get us a top six de- defenseman?" That's from Cowtown Bob. Uh, well, yeah, probably, but I don't know. I'm not sure, actually. I mean, there will be a trade. I don't know if it's going to be for a defenseman or if they're going to try to round out the forwards a little bit, maybe with a trade. Uh, they may trade that second-round pick to get more picks next year. That's uh, that's something that's possible as well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, shifting gears to the Elks here, we've got uh, Controversy Hal. Or uh, Controversial? No, yeah, Hal's written in before. Plenty of times. Absolutely. Uh, Unfortunately, my prediction is that Daigie will throw more interceptions than TDs, and he puts in parentheses at the end, I hope I'm wrong. Well, possible until we see him play. I mean, that's that's the, I guess, unfortunate thing about the situation for the Elks is they are now pinning their hopes to a player who is a, a complete unknown. Now, in in pro football, in the CFL, he you know he was fine in college. He had some good experiences. Limited action on Sunday against the Argos made some good plays. It's different being the guy. I think part of this now with Daigie and perhaps a storyline with the Elks and and the way that we as observers are talking about the Elks is that he seems like a pretty confident guy. And I'm sure Taylor Cornelius is is a confident guy, but. It looked like some of that confidence had eroded over the first three games of, of the season. Unfor- unfortunately, you know, just, just from our observations and body language and performance, and, and Daigie just seems to want to go out there and grab it. You heard what Stephen Dunbar Jr. said. He came into the huddle, he took control, and, and he liked that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, going on the uh, text line over to Roger. He says, I'm not overly optimistic about the Elks, but at least Daigie makes me interested to watch on Friday. The league has had a long history of quarterbacks coming out of nowhere to be stars. Maybe Daigie is the next Ricky Ray. At the very least, he at least look he looks like he'll give his receivers chances to make plays. Cornelius held onto the ball for too long. Uh, that's from Roger. Well, yeah, if he's the next Ricky Ray, that'd be incredible. The, the Elks need better quarterback play. And, yes, that's that's another thing about Cornelius. He looked a little gun-shy, right? He looked like he was, wasn't was trusting his reads, was hanging onto the ball a little bit long, taking sacks, you, you know, not scrambling well out of pressure. And some of that's on the blocking, too, but he definitely wasn't releasing the ball on time. Okay, we'll get to more of your messages as we move along. couple of big trades today, one involving the Flames, one involving the Jets. We'll have Jamie Thomas from CGOB in Winnipeg when we get back. 